0: Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Like I was telling you, this is my 37th New Year's. Tracy and I um, grew in um, churches similar to this, where people actually believed that God was still doing stuff. And, And so I always wanted to do the stuff. You know, that sounded like a good deal to me. And, and what I learned through all of that is what I'm going to teach you today. Um, and so I hope that, that you'll get this. So if you'll turn with me, if you would, please, to Second Chronicles chapter 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 12. If you are looking online for these notes, you will not find them. So, so you know, you may have to actually use your your pen and paper unless you're really good with your phone. Um, and then next week we'll we'll kick off with I'll I'll continue with the message we're doing entitled "The Money Talk" um, and and help you uh, find those those principles in in God's Word concerning uh, appropriate blessed financial handling. So that's what we're going to do next week. But this week we're here, and and in Second Chronicles. Um, Chapter 12, if you would please just put your eyes on this verse and let me read it to you. This is verse 13. And it says, thus King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. Now Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. There's some significance here that I just want to point out. That this guy had spent, this is is Solomon's son. The guy who essentially wrote Proverbs as a training ground for his children, is being spoken of here. And he's 41 years old. Here's my point. Age happens whether you like it or not. (laughs) Maturity is optional. Maturity is optional. This guy's 41 years old. He doesn't like what's going on, so he lays down an edict and of the 12 tribes of of Israel 10 of them vacate and move north and he in the tribe of Judah and the other tribe Benjamin stay north and and Rehoboam has the idea that he'll run up there and fight against the 10 people that he believes or the 10 tribes that he believes are wrong I want to just point out to you when you when you fight with your brothers and sisters it doesn't end well And he's 41 years old and you would hope with all the lineage, I told this to Byron and Lonnie at their 50th wedding anniversary, I said, lineage is what everybody else does. They get together, they get married and they have kids. All of you produce a lineage. But a legacy is only produced by God. When God's at work in your marriage, then you get godly children and godly grandchildren and godly great-grandchildren. Has anybody given you a great-grandchild yet? What are you, where are those kids at? (laughs) No? I have a word of the Lord for you. When people get married, they're fruitful and multiply. I don't know what your problem is, but thus saith the Lord. Let's get with it. Anyway, (laughs) you can afford them. Don't worry, they don't need much. Anyway, he was forty-one years old, and his maturity was in question. But look what it says about him: he's king. And it says in verse, um, uh, middle of verse thirteen. Now Rehoboam was forty-one years old when he became king, and he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put His name there. His mother's name was whatever that is, and he she was that. And so, but here's here underline this in your Bible. Are you ready? And he did evil. Everybody say evil. evil. Look why he was evil. Because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. This is not what he did, you know, while he went and done the wrong thing. He didn't prepare himself to seek God. Several months ago in this church, we started having a bit of a, of a, of a message come across about preparation. We started talking about preparing and just in many different kind of ways. And now we're at the transition from an old year to a new year. It's a great time for us to talk about this. And I want you to understand that you need to be prepared in 2024 to seek the Lord. It is evil in the sight of God himself for us not to prepare our hearts to seek him that may require you to let go of your own ideas and opinions of what you think God needs to be doing. It's not exactly a powerful position to take your prayer list to God and tell Him what He should be doing about your requests. If you don't have enough money, taking your bills to God in that essence of not preparing your heart, right... Because winning the lottery is not a solution to your financial problems. Because if you're handling your, okay, parents, I'm going to use the S word. Are you ready? If you're handling your finances in a stupid way, getting more of that won't take care of the stupid. I knew that. Go over good. How many of you ever made a New Year's resolution? told this in Sunday school class because it's just been on me to preach this and you know I had, we had to stop and celebrate Jesus' birthday and I had to preach twice about Jesus you know oh well, I guess that's good right yeah okay so anyway uh, and, and this has been rolling around in me for about four months because God said to us a long time ago well, you got to prepare yourself and I'm telling you in 2024 you need to prepare yourself now you say What is it going to be bad pastor prepare yourself to seek the Lord this is not you telling God what he needs to do in the coming election or what God needs to do with your retirement money or what God needs to do in your financial thing or even what God needs you to do in having kids. That, that is truly between you and God. We just have an influence that we'd like to extend. But, but anyway, it's not our call. It's yours. And we know that. And we just want to guilt you into, come on, right? Okay. I love you guys. I mean, it's, it's great, but, you know, anyway. Anyway. A resolution is a firm decision what to do or what not to do. How many ever made a resolution? And you are firm. In fact, statistically, if you make a resolution, 86% of you have sure confidence that it's going to happen. Over 90% of you think it will have an impact in your life for the next two years. And resolution quit day is January 13th or January 17th. One of the two. Almost 90% of you believe resolutions are going to work. But let me tell you why they don't. First of all, statistically, only 6% of you will do a resolution. But don't look around. (laughs) Because there are three things that you will have a resolution over, traditionally or, or statistically. Health, fitness, and money. How you doing? Any of you saying the same things this year that you said last year? This is the year I get in shape. Congratulations. This is the year I lose weight. That's a good one. This is the year I eat better. I have already rejected that one, and I'm not even in the new year. (laughs) My food has to taste like cardboard. I'm kind of out. Okay, put some jelly on it. I'm being being partially facetious, but how many of you know it is difficult to make a resolution because it depends entirely on you? It depends entirely on you. So people with 6% of you have excellent willpower because 6% of you will actually make a resolution and follow it through for a year, statistically. So if you're that person going, I make resolutions every year. You might be one of the 6% that actually does it. Congratulations. But I've lost twelve hundred pounds in my lifetime. <laughs> I've gained two hundred and fifty of it back. Are you tracking with me? How many ever done that? Don't raise your hands. My point is that if you're gonna make resolutions, you're gonna to have to make resolutions that involve God. Because without God, we can't do anything. And by the way, if you make up your resolution and ask God to help you, you might not ask God what resolution you should make. Because I'll just tell you right now, He's already in charge of your health. He's already in charge of your money. He's already in charge of your fitness. You're just resisting His word or His, his voice to you in those areas. So before you think you can do it, you're fighting against a living God. Well, I see, I'm going to preach to the angels that stand back here every once in a while and just tell you that was was a good point, Glenn. Way to go. (laughs) Self-dependence on self-realized resolutions require us to try harder more often. Self-dependence on self-realized resolutions require us to try harder you can never work your way into the blessing of God you can't either Jesus does it for you or you try harder and you'll do it again next year how many of you ever set a goal any of you ever set a goal Look at this. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of uh, Isaiah. Let me just make sure we're going the right space here. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. I've written this sermon a minimum of seven times. And I was almost positive I knew what I was doing. Until I didn't know. And I, I, I begged God. I said give me something powerful. So that we can all focus ourselves towards. And he kept talking to me about goals and resolutions. If you've ever set a goal. You've set it based on what society will teach us. In fact there's an acronym called SMART. And, and uh, um, SMART really... Um, stands for being succinct, right? I mean, being like purposeful, succinct. And the M stands for measurable. And, and the A um, stands for achievable. And, and the R uh, stands for relevant. And the T stands for tangible. So when they, te- sorry, I got a degree in psychology. I know how all this kind of works here. So, so anyway, they give you these cute little things. And they say, hey, make sure that it's, it's, it's succinct. You know, make sure you get there. Let me tell you something. When you set a goal without God, it'll always be attainable because you'll set it according to what you think you can do. And yet the Bible says throughout it in many spots, God gives us exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask for. God overflows our cup. I just want to tell you something. A messy God cup that's overflowing is, a better, is better than a cup you can control. But we set these goals. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 43. See... When, when you set goals, they're almost always in opposition to or, or in, in, in response to something that you, that's happened, right? How many of you have ever decided to be a better person? And you do that after you've had a meltdown. I mean, you're in public just cussing up a storm and, and, and you know, doing, you know, I don't think God cares if you cuss. You say, wait, really, we can cuss? I didn't say you should. I don't think God cares. You say, well, why doesn't he care? Because when you grow, you'll grow out of immature things. I had a basketball coach stop to practice one time and, and there were a lot of people cussing out loud on the basketball team and, on, and during practice. He stopped and he said, I want to tell you boys something. He said, if you can't communicate with better language than that, you're only proving your ignorance I went, wait, what? When I talk that way, I'm ignorant. Yeah, you're immature. See, God set out to grow you up. God set out to grow you up. I always love watching parents. See, Tracy and I have been through this because our kids are, you know, even our youngest is almost 40. And uh, when they were about, you know, 15 or 16 years old, I'm talking to you guys. When they were about 15 or 16 years old, they decided all by themselves it'd be a good thing to get away from mom and dad. I'm out. Yeah. I like it when you guys sit here because then your parents who are sitting across from you watching your facial expressions, come on, yeah, give it to them, Pastor. They are all cheering me on. Because you see, right now, at, at fifteen years old, you know everything there is to know about your life. You're sure. And some of us sit here with a little bit of gray hair. And we're going, yeah, that's not going to go well for you. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. (laughs) You know, you want to grow up and have a degree in college partying. It won't go well. It won't go well. Well, I just want to get married. You better marry the girl God has for you. Because it's hard enough with God. All right, thank you. I'm sure you guys are glad you came. So, do you want to come sit up here? Because I got more. <laughs> Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter 43. Notice this in the 18th verse. It says, do not remember the former things. Most of our goals are based on what we went through in the past. And what we say is, I'm never going through that again. Really? How do you plan on doing that? You're just going to check out? I'm not going through that. Okay. I'm just telling you that life without God can be full of pain. Life with God gives you a healer for your pain. See, most people think with God you don't have any pain. No, you got a healer. That's the difference. I mean, you're going to go through some ugly stuff. Say, Pastor, don't teach us those things. We were living in such a good world there where everything went well for us because we did everything that we thought God wanted us to do. Your behavior will not gain you God's approval. You cannot behave your way into the approval of God. Come on, process with me. Well, he wants me to eat, you know, uh, let me talk to you guys again. You you know, you'll have a, you'll have an opportunity sooner or later when you believe God's trying to take all your fun away. You should not move out right now and get a job while you still think you know everything. Just go ahead took our 10-year-old granddaughter on a shopping trip. She paid $16 for some earrings, and they charged her $2 in taxes. And she said, very animated 10-year-old, I hate taxes. I hate taxes. And you see, we have an opportunity here to decide what we're going to do with the world we live in. It won't do you any good to be against everything. It won't do you any good to be against your parents. Have a goal to get out because I will tell you sooner or later you will think it's a good deal when somebody's buying you a six gallon or six dollar gallon of milk instead of you. When you I had a water fountain right outside my dorm room and I bought powdered milk because we weren't supposed to eat in the dorm room and I didn't think they knew what they were talking about. And so I had canned soup that I heated in a popcorn popper. Open the can, put it in there, and instead of having to wash everything, I just ate out of the popcorn popper. Licked the spoon off really good and put it back in the drawer because I stole the spoon from the dorm food, okay? And so I'd go outside, I'd mix my powdered milk with refrigerated water so it was almost good. And I, then I'd, I'd eat my cereal with powdered milk and cold water. I only did that for one year. Want to know Why? 'Cause it's not good. <laughs> Captain Crunch with powdered milk and cold water, it's not good. I needed some real milk and I needed something other than, and I don't know what Captain Crunch cost back there, by the way, Captain Crunch was God's gift to, you know, sweetened c- cereals and I love it, but that's why I look the way I do <laughs> and my resolutions didn't work. And my goals didn't work because they they depended wholly on me. See, when you do this in life, you realize that we don't call to remembrance. Where's that boy that always has his hair? There he is. Uh, I always like him because, man, I'll tell you what, he's got the messiest hair on purpose. And his school pictures exist, and 50 years from now, he's going to look at those things and go, What was I thinking? Don't recall former things. Are you getting this? You've been through things. Your, your, your past doesn't have to define you. It's not a prison sentence. Amen. Amen? So forget all of that and move forward into what God has said to you or is saying to you when you prepare your heart to seek Him. Since I've been picking on Addison all this time, I've been here long enough to see most of these kids born. From the time Addison was little, I mean real little. He just had a God gift with kids. He was always in the middle of kids. And of course, I don't know what he wanted to do, but you want to know what he's doing now? He's a teacher. You know, you can't make any money teaching. But God wired him for that. I've seen it in him for 15 or 18 years. And finally... I mean, you're probably like ever. I know you were almost, you know, like this close to perfect, but, but, you know, he was ready to get the heck out of his parents' house and go off to school, but then he had to hear God's voice for himself and he became a teacher, even though you probably ought to be an engineer, right? Or marry one. (laughs) Is she an engineer? I don't remember what she does. She's not, huh? There's the two of you just struggling with low-paying jobs and just making it through. Life is terrible. Life isn't terrible for them. They're hearing God's voice. Amen. You can't you can't go into life without being prepared to forget the former things. Amen. By the way, you just don't know what God's gonna do in 2024. Amen. So you'd be better off going in with a blank slate. Notice he says, do not remember the former things, nor consider. The word consider means to separate mentally for the purpose of preparation or understanding. How many of you think you can diagnose what's happened in the last four years to satisfy everybody's desire for understanding? No. Now we're going into another election year, and it will be as crazy as any of the rest of them. You say, no, it won't, Pastor. I'm believing. You need to seek the Lord and quit telling God what you believe and tell Him you want to hear His voice. Because He will change how you approach things if what you want is your opinion all the time. I've told this time and time again, but I have several opinions about how this church ought to run, including how honored I should be. I think that's a good idea, don't you? I know lots of churches are trying to keep their pastor poor. I think pastors should be honored. I think pastors are the connection between God's best and God's people. You'll get that. Think about it. How will they hear if they don't have a preacher? Forget the former things. Sorry, I got off on that. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. He didn't say, I will do your thing. He didn't say he would do your thing. He said, I'm going to do a new thing. And what that new actually means is quantitatively and qualitatively new and wondrous. Yeah. Now, I got to tell you, if you're not looking for the wondrous, you'll see all the things that lack wonder. You'll see the ugly. And there there's plenty of it, man. See, you got you to be willing to allow what God does to surpass what he did in the past for you and for your church and for your family. That's a new thing. He says, look at this. ends is verse 19. He says, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Here's your answer to that. Nope, because I wasn't looking for it. You've got to look for the new wondrous things that God's going to do. And you say, well, but that's fine as long as they line up with what I want. Seek the Lord With your heart. Because they may not line up with what you want. this This is not about prophecy telling you what's going to happen in the future. This is about me telling you how to prepare for the future. King Rehoboam did evil because he did not set his heart. It literally means to prepare for usefulness. If you're frustrated and angry about what happens in the future you're not prepared to be useful, meaning that you can speak peace and God's understanding into people's lives rather than joining them in the complaining parade. I know none of us have ever complained, but we know people who complain too much. God rid us of that. Give us your spirit, Father, to be patient. To be a picture of who Jesus is. Notice he says, I, will you notice he said, I will even make. He gives you this picture that says, in the midst of this, I will even make this amazing thing called a road in the wilderness. The, another word for, for, for wilderness is uselessness. It's this, it's this area, this, this thing that has nothing in it, and it's useless. And he says, I'm going to make a road through the useless. Okay, did you miss that? The useless is us magnifying our own opinions to the point that they make us frustrated and complainers. He said, I'm going to make a roadway through that for you. See, that's no way forward. That just makes the road wider when you complain. You just get on there with everybody else and start whining and complaining. And I'm telling you, it's just, I mean, I'm old enough now. I've done this for a little bit. I feel like I've heard God's voice. I'm telling you, God wants to raise up a church that is without spot and wrinkle. And one of those wrinkles that stands out so bad is the nature that we have in humanity to be murmurers and complainers. Let it not be anymore, Lord. You say, well, what if we don't like what's going on? Well, it won't help to complain. Well, we can't just stand by you can stand by if the other option is for you to be fleshly outside of the character of God. Don't leave the character of God to prove your point, man. That'll preach. He says, "I'll even make a roadway in the di- right through the right through the, through the through the through the useless time. If God is sitting on the throne, it may not matter exactly." Who sits on the $1,000 leather chair in the Oval Office? Okay. I'm glad it's wintertime so you don't have rotten fruit to throw at me. There's a roadway, a course of life through this useless territory. He says, and rivers in the desert, and rivers is a poor translation because it's really, he'll make a flow of direction. When you, when, when you see a river, and, and, and Tracy and I have, have navigated, no, we didn't actually navigate, we were there being navigated by people who understood it, the, the, the largest river in the world. We, we spent in our lifetime uh, the better part of a month off and on in the Amazon Basin. There's so much water there that when the ground structure changes, the river will go against that soft ground and And like cliffs 50 feet high, they'll just start falling into the river. In fact, the river that we navigated was called the the Madeira River. And Madeira in Portuguese means wood. And the reason it's that river is because it would erode the bank and the trees on the top of that bank would fall into the river. And you had to navigate the flow of those trees. And let me just tell you something. You don't have a big enough boat to run over a tree. And the trees are so heavy that they don't float on top of the water. Think about it. They're about two feet under the water. You better be paying attention to the flow of the river. He says, I'll even make rivers. He said, I'm going to give you a flow of direction in the desert. A flow of direction. Man, when that... when that We traveled 24 hours by boat as fast as the boat could go with the current. How long do you think it took us to get home against the current? It's a big deal, right? Why? Because the current offers direction. He said, I will make a river in this desolate land that looks like it's of no value whatsoever in this desert. He said, I'm going to make a river. I'm going to give you a flow of direction through what looks like a wilderness or a desert. If I was to be prophetic today, I would say you need to watch for the river, because there's one, uh, there's a flow of direction coming. See, right now we like to float in our own river and the river of our own making. That says, well, it must be going this way because this way is right. Notice what else it says here. He says. <clears throat> Um, In verse 19, again, the middle part, he says, shall you not know it? And I didn't really spend much time there, but it it really gives you a picture of perception and experience. So what you're going to have to be able to notify and notice is the experience you've had with God and notice through a relationship of intimacy that the flow that he's offering is different than your opinion. It's different than your opinion. That's goals, right? Right. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Would you like me to define goals for you? I'm not opposed to your resolutions. Don't, don't, Don't leave here and go, well, the pastor said we can't have resolutions. I don't care. But at least connect them to God so you have some chance of it changing your life. Make your goal big enough that it requires God to be successful. I remember coming to this church in 1999 and God saying in essence to me if you'll trust me I'll show you more than what you think is possible and so I began to say things that came out of that like who believes that a church in Eckley Colorado in the middle of nowhere can do anything I I didn't I thought, well, this is a good hometown. I'm going to come back to this church. And, and, and God began to impress upon me the, 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 the exceeding, the, the, the overflowing cup, the, all those kinds. Of, I go, really here? To the place that recently when Tracy and I were, were invited to, to have a few minutes with Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse, we were introduced to him as pastors of the most significant church in America. <laughs> I'm looking going... Who is he talking about? He says, this church is a significant church in America. Right. It only is if God's involved. No human can make that happen. You cannot set your goals high enough. Are we together? Okay. So since the pastor teaches us that resolutions are kind of useless... And goals are never set high enough. Goals are never set high enough. Quit being selfish and believe in God to have your own needs met. Believe God that God will meet your needs and you'll have enough to meet 10 or 12 families' needs. Be significant. Look for a legacy. In Philippians chapter um, 3, look with me if you will please at the 12th verse. He says, not that I've already attained... Or am already perfected. This, this fits with our setting our heart. Really setting boundaries to our heart that will always seek God. He says, but I press on. That I may take hold of that which Christ Jesus also takes, took hold of. Verse 13. Brethren. People of new life. I don't consider myself to have apprehended this. But get ready and count with me. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Everybody say one. one. Reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Everybody say two. two. The third one. I press towards the goal of the prize that were called of God. Everybody say three. Three. God considers all three of those one thing. You cannot do one without it leading to the, it's all one thing. God's math is terrible. One plus one plus one equals one. You say, that's not right. No, that's exactly right. You plus your wife plus God equals one. One flesh in the Lord. It's throughout the Bible. You say, no, it's not. Yes, it is. When you add God to anything, it becomes about Him. That's your one. And so when we get to this place and we say to ourselves, okay, I, I want to I do this. Well, you can't focus on what you determine you want the results to be. Because if you're in a church in Eckley, Colorado, and you determine what the results are to be, what you will plan is some level of comfort for the people. Lord, give us enough money to buy nice chairs so people can fall asleep when I preach too long. <laughs> Lord, give us enough money to have enough heaters in the building so we can raise and lower the temperature when we think it will help. Lord, give us enough money to hire the staff and do this and to do that. And, 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 and we, we, go, we go short. I've never met a pastor who said, Lord, give us a million dollars to give away. They want $5,000 to fix the heater. Will you join me in believing for the exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that we can even dare to ask God? Anything we can imagine going we don't want it for us. I don't want it for me. Listen, I'm old enough to check out. If God doesn't strengthen me to do this, then all the other stuff isn't worth it. I can go home and, you know, ride my bicycle. I like riding my bicycle. Or I can just check out and move to Texas. You know what's warm in Texas right now? I mean, Dean told me this morning he's taking a, a, what, a red snapper cooking class. I told him, I said, there ain't no red snapper around here. I don't know why you're doing that. You got to go somewhere where they got them things. They should teach you. I know where you're going. I think I know where you're going. They should teach you iguana cooking lessons because they're all over down there. <laughs> Cook up one of them lizards. That'd What's that? Tastes like chicken. chicken. All right, good. Yeah, But you only eat the tail. (laughs) See, when you're the focus and you determine the results, you get the perfect picture of you that you determined. When you're the focus and when you determine the results, you get the perfect picture of you that you determined. I don't want to be me. I want to be him. I don't want to make a perfect picture of me. I'm not trying to please people anymore, and that should be obvious, I guess. Sorry. I want to live out my life pleasing God. I want to get done with this sermon today and look up into heaven and see God going, all right, way to go. (laughs) Because everybody else falls into the shadows of the reflection of his glory. I want to be that guy, I want you to be that church. I want you to stretch yourself with me and seek God's heart and seek it for more than you could ever imagine. Hear the revelation. Prepare. Do crazy stuff. People look at you and go, what are you doing? I'm just following God. Just leave me alone. Well, you shouldn't. I'm telling you the number of people who have tried to stop me from doing what I'm doing to tell me I can't do what, I can't, what, I, what I'm doing. Just stop it. Trust God. Make it a big picture. Don't make it a picture of you, make it a picture of Him. What would happen if we looked like that? To press on to the goal. So here's my, here's what I want you to do. I want you to press and I want you to seek God for His picture of your growth in the next year. Don't come up with goals, I need to make $100,000 or I need to save this much money or I need to get this or I need to do that. You know, I want you to press into growth. God. What am I going to look like after spending the next year with you? What's going to change? See, you can say, well, I have this goal and I'm not going to eat so much. Well, I have that goal. I've had that goal every year for 50 years probably. And sometimes I just don't have the giddy up to do it. Because, man, sometimes food's really good. I had a peanut butter and jelly hamburger again this week. Went to my favorite restaurant. I hate the fact that they put the calories on the menu. My hamburger that I like so well is more than a full day's supply of the daily calorie intake. And so I just believe God to take the calories out. Because everybody knows that works. What would we look like? If we so embraced the growth picture that God has for us, that a year from now we got together and we looked around and said, I just cannot believe what God did in our lives. You say, well, you're already, you know, I mean, as a church, we're already there. I mean, it, it's amazing. I am not satisfied that this is God's best. I think there's more. Will you join me in the, in the coming year? Just gaining the vision of growth in him. What will I look like one year from now? Can we have that discussion? Can we, can we, can we move forward and say, boy, this is going to be great because here's what happens. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 2, um, I think verse 17, Jeremy, if you can find that, Revelation 2 and, and 17, maybe. And if you put it up there, I'll tell you. Here's what it says. It says, to him who overcomes. It says here has ears to hear or something eyes to see, something like that. And then it says, to him who overcomes. Yep, that's it. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. Overcomes what? Overcomes our natural desire to make it about us. I'll give some. Look at this. He said, I'll give some of the hidden manna to eat. Now, I don't exactly know what this means. But I know that exactly it means something that I'm not ready to understand. God's got some hidden stuff for us to eat. And... (laughs) Oh, is it the next verse that says the? oh, it's the rest of that verse. Okay. And I'll give him a white stone. Sometimes the Bible is just this complicated picture and, and no one really knows. But he says, he's going to give you a white rock, a stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. God's got a picture of detailed identity that he has for you. And he writes it on something called a white stone. Now personally, because this is all this, this this picture, what I really think it is, is this picture of seeing into God's glory, this blinding white thing that you can stand on called the glory of God. And on that, there's a name written there. And it's not Jesus' name, but rather it's the identity of who you are in Him. And with that, based on the tradition that was behind this, if this happened during the, the Roman years or the Greek years where there was, where there was um, uh, competitions and whoever won got a, a white rock which allowed them in the city that they were in to eat everything and to have everything for free. It identified them as the winner. And all they had to do was to present their white rock with the thing that said 100-yard dash on it or whatever it said because it identified them as the winner of the competition. When you overcome, God's identity of you is written in glory for you to experience. I'd like to do that. I'd like you to join me in saying, Lord, if the cup is overflowing, make the cup bigger and then overflow it again. If I don't dream big enough, God, expand my dream. Let it be greater than anything. You say, will you get glory? out. I'm not looking for glory for me. I still don't know what I'm doing. I still don't. But I'm trusting God. And I think he knows what he's doing. And I don't think he's a respecter of individuals. I think he'll pour it out on us in small town America. If we'll just set our hearts to seek him. Don't do evil in the sight of God. Set your heart to seek the Lord and see what he says to you in 2024. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, music team. Stand with me, would you please? I hope you got something today. I hope it changes your year. By the way, if you're like a person of resolution, 80% 80 of you and more think this is going to change your life. But I want to live with the 6% at the end of the year who look back and go, oh my, that was something that I could have never, ever done without preparing my heart to seek the Lord. Amen? Amen? Pray with me. Would you, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that you are indeed preparing us for a year to come. This is our declaration for your new year. We will set our hearts to seek you. Father, we believe it's bigger, better, Awesome, powerful, greater than anything, more wondrous than anything we've ever seen. For we're going to trust you to be right in the middle of it. We're going to make this about you. Us plus you is still just one. Let us be that picture of your body, working together with the rest of the body of Christ, making an impact, Father, that lasts into eternity. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at com slash live. And you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.